Hello, everyone. Welcome to Hardcore Football. I'm your host, Phil Baki. I'm joined, as always, by Mika Burrell. Mika, how's it going? It's going, Phil. Uh, it's March 1st, and uh, football just decided to do the most. So yeah. <laughs> we're having to record. We, re- we just record on Friday, and we're back. <laughs> yeah. We had no choice. Like, they left Truly. us with little choice. Uh, this is... This has got to be one of the weirder days in in football, like recently. As weird as it's been, this is up there. Yeah, yeah. Just in terms of, I mean, for once, not the results, but like, right, <laughs> just <laughs> off the pitch stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um, gosh, we got lots to get to. Um, breaking news all over the place, but. Um, you know, just before we get started, uh, if you are finding us for the first time, hopefully uh, you've already seen our you've probably already seen our Twitter at this point. But at HXC football, um, you can follow us there and uh, yeah, subscribe on any podcast platform. And if the platform allows you, uh, if you leave a, a rating and a review, that would be much appreciated. But aside from that, um we still have some stickers left, so some of you have already claimed yours, but if not, um, you can you can grab a free sticker, actually. Yeah. Were you able to send out those other ones? Mm-hmm. Awesome. Yeah, so they should be on the way. They should be arriving shortly. The USPS is not the most reliable, like, at the moment, so <laughs> right. forgive me if they do take a little bit, but um, it shouldn't be too bad. So those of you who have gotten them, uh, congrats, and then to those of you who are like, how do I get one? Well, you simply follow our Twitter and then uh, send us a screenshot of the fact that you're subscribed to the podcast, and we will send you a sticker for free. Free 99. Yeah, <laughs> um, but that's about I think that's about all the admin and we've got plenty more to talk about <laughs> right in yes. the in the realness. Um, so, Mika, I think I think we start in Germany mm. and the mess, just the absolute hot mess that is Schalke Norfier. Uh It's they announced today the sacking of their entire sporting staff, Christian Gross, uh, along with uh, every single other person affiliated with the first team. Um, yeah, so just for posterity, Rainer <laughs> Widmeyer, Sasha Ritter, Werner Leitord, and Joachim Schneider, the, the sporting director. So yeah, just everyone. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Peter Nobel, uh, who's a coach and the director of the youth Academy is taking over sporting leadership of the club, uh, right now. New coach hasn't been identified. Schalke in absolute free fall at the bottom of the Bundesliga and suffered a hammering at the hands of Stuttgart. Um, I mean this, this move, I think it's not shocking in the sense that, Schalke's player hierarchy uh, and indeed the new players that they brought in a lot of the experience heads uh, started a bit of a revolt by all accounts. Um, but this will be a fourth manager in the season for Schalke. Fifth. Fifth. Oh no. <laughs> they will be the first club in Bundesliga history to have five managers in one 
season. So even Tasmania could not equal this <laughs> level of mess. This is approaching Palermo status. Like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, no, yeah. I mean, you, you you speak of the player revolt, and the first that I heard of it was from actually Derek Ray's Twitter, where he mm-hmm. uh, mentioned that it sounded like it was Kolasinac, uh, Mustafi, and Klausian Huntelaar who had approached the technical staff and said, you know, Christian Gross's training is antiquated, his tactics are confusing, he addresses players in the wrong language, gets their names wrong, gets opponents' names wrong, just all kinds of... Uh, allegations i suppose that that gross is just not up to scratch um and honestly as an arsenal fan when i heard that uh it was mustafi and involved in this i was not shocked to be honest <laughs> um, there's been allegations of some toxicity at arsenal too uh, involving those players allegations of course like uh, who knows what's true and what's not uh but you know it- <laughs> Personally, I think it's one thing for Klasnach to intervene, uh, and and Huntel are even their former Schalke players that are now back, um, and and you know are big figures at the club. But I just find it funny that Mustafi feels emboldened <laughs> to <laughs> speak on these matters. But uh, apparently, these are opinions shared by most of the squad. Um, so I suppose you couldn't blame them in that sense. But um, yeah, it's it's pretty crazy how how far down Schalke have fallen and. It makes sense in a lot of ways that they're kind of doing this now and cleaning house because a new new leadership is going to have to try and take them through this Vita Bundesliga. There's no way that any of these people that have failed, obviously, should yeah. should stick around for life in, in the second division. But, um, yeah, it's, it's really, really shocking. I mean, this team two years ago was playing Manchester City in the Champions League, getting, you know, destroyed, but in yeah. the Champions League regardless. <laughs> uh, so, and, and, you know, they're a gigantic club, so it's just crazy. I I think it's really interesting that the sort of seminal moment of this is happening against Stuttgart, uh, of all teams. Like, Stuttgart win 5-1 at the weekend. Uh, <laughs> Wataru Endo gets his first two, first two goals for Stuttgart. Um, but... Stuttgart, to me, are a bit of an example of, or should be, I guess, both a, like, warning sign for Schalke, but as well should offer hope for Schalke fans because yeah, despite the fact that, that Schalke are right now in a very poor run of form, I mean, the poorest possible run of form, um, and are looking completely hopeless in the Bundesliga. Stuttgart were just relegated to the two Bundesliga or the Zweite Bundesliga, not that you know a couple of seasons ago. They've mm-hmm. just come back up, and they look absolutely revitalized. All of the all of the like negativity around Stuttgart in those seasons where they were relegated it has pretty much vanished, and they're playing some great stuff under a exciting young manager in, in Matarazzo. And so I think as devastating as relegation could be for Schalke, I think in the long run, if they can, if they can keep the club together and continue to operate, um, like I think relegation could actually be good for them in the long term in, in terms of reevaluating how they do business and, coming up with, you know, uh, a new 
squad, a new, a new, uh, coaching staff as well. I, I think we've seen it from teams before, and maybe this could be the, the sort of revitalization that a club like Schalke needs. Um, the flip side of that is that this could send them into absolute like devastation and, and you know, that they never recover from. Um, and, and hopefully that's not the case for a club, the size of Schalke. Yeah, it'll be very interesting to see. I mean, I don't know, ESPN Plus, are you trying to, you know, stream this Vita Bundesliga? Because, like, Schalke Hamburg is, like, kind of a lit fixture. <laughs> like, there That's are some a massive game. That's a massive <laughs> yeah. game. There are and... some big clubs down there, and it's, <laughs> it's ridiculous. That's that's an unbelievable, uh, yeah, northern northern German derby there. Um, I, <laughs> yeah, it's they really do need to up up the number of games. I think that they do stream, but that's uh, for <laughs> for another day. It's uh, just such a weird like thing to think of. Though, yeah, the two of them are playing each other. In I know the second division. The yeah, there was one person who was upset by the sacking of Christian Gross and that was Anna Hoppe, the <laughs> mother of Matthew Hoppe, um, the American youngster right. who has, you know, played to much acclaim in, in Schalke. Um, and you, you snagged this tweet from, from, uh, <laughs> mama Hoppe, uh, and, and <laughs> it, it gave you some feels, it did. I mean, uh, it was wholesome, but sad. I mean, basically she said, I am grateful for Coach Gross for what he did for our son, Matthew. He made a difference. Our hope is that Shalkanovia can turn things around and have success, still have a chance. Like, that's just so touching to me. I don't know. Like, it, I mean, it is true, you know, even, yeah. I mean, it, it kind of reminded me a little bit, not, not such a dire situation, but just kind of like, Lucien Favre giving Gio Reyna the chance, even though it wasn't mm-hmm. working out, you know, overall at Dortmund. I mean, yeah. th- this manager did trust Toppe to, to make a difference, and and that's huge. Um, yeah. And so, yeah, I just thought it was kind of sad to see that from Mama Hoppe, as you said. <laughs> uh, you know, because, you know, we laugh about the turmoil, and we think it's all kind of ridiculous, but at the end of the day, you know, real people are affected. Yeah. Um, um, you know, both in terms of the playing staff and you know, people at the club, their jobs may be on the line. Some mm-hmm. clearly found that out today. <laughs> yeah. The fans, you know, in, in COVID times, sometimes this is really all people have is football. And I'm sure it's it's very sad times in Gills and Kirsten with everything going on. So, yeah, that, that tweet just kind of jumped out to me on the timeline. Yeah. And I think... I don't know. This was, this was very, like you said, it was wholesome and, and kind of cut through some of the, some of the negativity, um, around Schalke and the fact that there have been some bright spots. Um, obviously the emergence of Matthew Hoppe is not enough to, you know, overshadow the fact that they've collected nine points, um, in this Bundesliga season thus far. Um, but it is uh it it just highlights the the humanity like you said around these things and the fact that um yeah there's a lot of stakeholders and a lot of uh people's livelihoods at risk and and in fact we we, we may see an impact you know on on Matthew Hoppe's 
playing time. We saw it with Reyna when the, the change to Edin Terzic, you know, happened at Dortmund. Um, and we could well, you know, see Matthew Hoppe, uh, like kind of fall down the pecking order at Schalke, depending on, uh, who comes in and how they, how they look at his contributions. Exactly. Um, we had a, we had a question that linked in nicely with this and, and just asking about the, the magnitude of Schalke going down, um, Pat, uh, Ariola asked, would Schalke going down be comparable or to be comparable to say Tottenham being relegated? How, how massive do you see this sort of, uh, situation? Um, yeah, so I don't think of it as comparable to Tottenham, you know, not even trying to take the piss out of Tottenham being an Arsenal <laughs> fan, but like Schalke are a huge, huge historic club. This mm-hmm. is, compar- I would compare it to like uh, Chelsea going down, mm-hmm. um, in terms of, uh, titles. I mean, maybe not even Chelsea cause Schalke, I would argue have even more history than them, but I mean, you know, for argument's sake, in terms of, uh, major titles, one, Schalke are only behind Bayern and Dortmund in that regard in German right. football. Um, they have the second largest registered fan base, if I'm not mistaken. Um, they're huge. They're absolutely yeah. huge. And so I just, I think of that as just a little bit bigger than, than say a Tottenham. I, I would compare sure. it to like a Chelsea and Arsenal, someone like that. Um, yeah. So it's, it's huge for sure. <laughs> I mean, yeah. to see a team like them playing in the second division is going to be bizarre. The, the team that came to mind for me, and this is not, this is not me like crapping on Schalke by any stretch of the imagination or, or in fact, this, this club, but the team that came to mind was Aston Villa. And it was only because mm. I compared the number of title of, of first division titles. Um, and, Schalke and Aston Villa actually both have seven, um, but they are a little distant now. Like they, right. they are, they haven't, you know, they haven't won the league in, in quite some time. And certainly the timing of Villa's kind of relegations and, and their rec- more recent struggles came a little bit before Schalke, but Aston Villa itself is a massive club in England and like huge amount of history um, with that team in Birmingham. So it was, it kind of reminded me in the fact that I think a lot of people have since forgotten, you know, a lot of, a lot of that history and just how big a club Aston Villa is. Um, I don't think that they match Schalke in fan base because Schalke Mm -hmm. are massive, as you said. Um, But it kind of reminded me of that where so much has faded over the years that it actually, it, I think it makes people forget kind of the magnitude of a team like that going down. Um, so yeah, Schalke, Schalke in the second division is, is kind of crazy. Not as, uh, shocking as Hamburger S Vau going down to the second division because they never had before. Um, but yeah, Schalke, Schalke going down. I mean, they're called the Konigsblauen because it's the Royal blues, but really like it carries that sense of like the Kings. Like it's not just, it's not just a color. It's literally like this, these are, yeah, these are, this is an elite club. Um, so yeah, I think, uh, I think, this is this is a just a dark time for for what should be you know a a very prominent and 
you know, successful club. And I think along with Aston Villa, it shows that no team is too, no club is too big to fail. There's no such thing. Um, and, and Schalke, despite their size and their import, like within the German game, um, no one has a right to life in the first division. And if they, if you mismanage things, then as, as Schalke have done, then you can end up, end up at the bottom as they have this year. Absolutely. The, the other big, uh, coaching decision that was made today was Arminia Bielefeld parting ways with Uvi Neuhaus. And this, this one kind of caught, I think both of us off guard a little bit. Yeah, this was a shocking one because Arminia Bielefeld are still in the fight. I mean, with the Berlin have been shocking. Kiln have been okay, but still down there. And, and, you know, they can still, you know, battle it out with these sides. They drew Bayern. I mean, they they seem to have been, you know, building on something as much as a team of their limited personnel and, and all that can do. So I thought this was really harsh. I tried looking into it to see, like, you know, is there some kind of context that I'm missing? I think it's been suggested that maybe he had a bit of a falling out with some of the, the backroom staff. But regardless, I think he's doing as much as he can with this team. And it's just... Uh, I, I don't know. It's a weird one. I've also seen rumors of him to Schalke, which I think oh, is oh no, <laughs> which is nuts. But um, yeah, no. But I'm I'm interested in your take on this, Phil, because you're you're keenly aware of of Neuhaus's work. Yeah. So Uvi Neuhaus, for those who don't know, was the manager of Dinamo Dresden before he uh, took over at Arminia Bielefeld, and both teams were in the second division at at that time. Um, he was sacked after a disappointing uh, Pokal loss to a fourth division opponent whose name I can't remember off the top of my head. But uh, it was <laughs> it was an embarrassing loss for Dinamo, but it was a, it was a cup game. Like they're not expected to win the the Pokal. Like the, you know, the, maybe a cup run might have been in the cards, but. Um, the expectation is always, you know, pursuit of promotion from the second division as any team would, would chase. They had finished fifth in the second division the year before they had a little bit of a disappointing run in the league, but had, had had a few, uh, you know, decent kind of like showings in, in the league since then. And so this Pokal match happens, um, and he was unceremoniously fired after, after promotion, you know, fighting, uh, Dresden up from, from the third division up into the second division and then actually pushing close to promotion um, in their first season in the second division. So um, yeah, unceremoniously sacked then. And in the time since then, <laughs> Dresden are now back in the third division as a result of, of that sacking. So yeah, I think, um, I think Bielefeld are, making a massive mistake uh, in, in dishing him, not only because he's the man who got them playing the way that they did in winning the, the Zweite Bundesliga in style last season. Um, but also because like you said, they're still a hundred percent in it. And I think right now they're in the playoff place, which yeah, I don't think this club ever would have expected to, you know, 
comfortably survive in the Bundesliga given the level of competition. So the fact he's in and around, like potentially guiding them to safety, I'm not sure why they wouldn't let him see that out because this club has been in this Vita Bundesliga for quite a while. Right. Yeah. It reminded me of, I mean, slightly, slightly different stakes, but it reminded me of Leicester after the title winning season, sacking Claudio Ranieri (laughs) unceremoniously. And in that instance, that kind of ruthlessness almost made sense because Leicester have the facilities to, to take it a step further. In this case with Bielefeld, I really don't understand it. Uh, and neither do their fans, from what I can tell, at least on Twitter and and, yeah. Twitter and the like. They're pretty outraged about the the whole situation. Yeah, um, the Armenian English account uh, on Twitter who who follows us they uh, they <laughs> retweeted all of all of the takes and and we're certainly uh, seemingly not pleased about about them parting company with with Neuhaus. Um, yeah, it'll, it'll be interesting to see who they go out and get, but, um, yeah, you know, big Sam is already at West Brom, so uh, there's no, uh, <laughs> <laughs> Oh my God. Can you imagine? You know, you'll have to rebuild anyway. Cause a lot, like a good chunk of that squad is just loans. So yeah, including Ritzo Duan. So yeah, we'll see. Speaking of Wischalka and maybe now Bielefeld uh, doomed to life in this Vita Bundesliga for a season, um, I did want to mention a massive, massive match that is certainly missing the fans uh, this year, but uh, today took place in this Vita Bundesliga. FC Sao Paulo versus Hamburger SV, and it is, you know, the Hamburg Derby the just a massive game in in German football that has been rare up until this point in both these clubs history where they've occupied the second division together and now this this derby is becoming a little bit more regular FC St. Pauli actually have a really good record in this game and uh, despite sitting 11th in the table against you know a, a team fighting for promotion uh, Sam Pauli won their fifth straight game with a one nil win over uh, Howis Vau, a uh, 88th minute winner from St. Pauli and uh, very dramatic and one that you just wish fans were in the stadium to see. I really hope fans come back soon. Yeah. There was a red card in this match though, right? Did that, did that change yeah. proceedings? Uh, it was in the 95th minute. Uh, Tim oh, Liebold okay. got sent off for Howis Vow, <laughs> which it just shows you that the you know the 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 spike hasn't le- hasn't left this game uh, even without fans. Right, right, right. <laughs> I, I do hope Hamburg come back up though, but I, th- I I do think it's funny that Bohem is is in first place. They're yeah. Schalke's neighbors to the east if i'm not mistaken so yeah ouch the this vita bundesliga if if you guys aren't um following it like obviously i would you know i'm not saying oh how can you not be because it's a second division uh in germany but (laughs) just to give you some context um the title race and promotion race in this vita bundesliga is 
absurd. Um, Bochum, as as Mika said, is top, um, but only two points ahead of Holstein Kiel in second, who are two point or sorry, level on points with Holstein Kiel in second, who are two points ahead of Greuter Firth in third. Uh, Hamburger S. Vau is in fourth, just a point behind Firth. Karlsruhe is three points behind Haus Vau. Heidenheim and Düsseldorf are three, point, three points behind them uh, in sixth and seventh. So from seventh to first is a gap of only nine points um, with just, oh, you know, just about a third of the <laughs> season left. So, yeah, it's it's absolutely insane. And there's so much still to play for. Um, and for a club the size of of Hauas Vau, who absolutely choked away promotion last year, much to the chagrin of their fans, um, it is getting a little dicey. And to lose now to their direct rivals across town, um, that's uh, that's got to be a, a tough one for them to take. Yeah starting to stumble at the last hurdle it sounds like but there's still a lot of time we'll see um i do want to give a quick shout out down one more step in the dritten liga to my <laughs> boys dinamo Dresden because i talked about on the last game that a game to watch was dinamo versus ingolstadt and right dinamo went out and did the business four nil at home against ingolstadt um wow. Yeah, it it was a pretty comp- comprehensive performance, and uh, and it increased Dinamo's lead at the top of the league to now six points. Although they have uh, Hansa Rostock has a game in hand um, on Dinamo, but yeah, uh, Dresden looking like the title contenders that that they were thought to be at the beginning of the season. Amazing. And again, even for, for more context on that, Ingolstadt were in the first Bundesliga a couple years ago. So. Right. <laughs> wow. So speaking of the the Bundesliga proper, we can now go on to some of the fixtures that took place <laughs> uh, this weekend. Um, a, a big result for Werder Bremen against a red-hot Eintracht Frankfurt uh, 2-1 win and, and Josh Sargent uh, scoring. Uh, the winner in this one against uh, after Andre Silva had <laughs> opened the scoring, obviously for Frank- Frankfurt in the in the ninth minute. But uh, this is a pretty big result for for Werder. Yeah, that was a good result because Frankfurt were undefeated in their last like seven, so they snapped yeah. that that streak, uh, and and Werder are humming along nicely too. Um, Bayern with a a big five one win over uh, FC Köln. Uh, Dortmund with that three nil win over Armenia Bielefeld that, that sparked the reaction to, uh, to Uvi Neuhaus, um, Herzog Berlin, uh, continue to be problematic. Um, <laughs> Vols- 10 man Wolfsburg won two nil, um, against Hertha. Although I will say that that red card came after, after it was already settled. So. Um, not quite as embarrassing as it could have been. Right. Um, Mika, your boys though, uh, Borussia Mönchengladbach, uh, the, the issues continue for Mönchengladbach now, ever since Marco Rosa's departure was announced. It's just seemed to all kind of go sideways uh, for the fulls and a 
three two loss to RB Leipzig, in which they led two nil. Yeah, as you said, Gladbach led two nil in the first half, and I think the two nil was actually flattering. Uh, <laughs> I thought Leipzig were still the better side, um, even as as Gladbach got ahead. I think they just made some mistakes. Um, I mean, first giving away a penalty and then with the second goal, but. Leipzig has never been a happy hunting ground for Gladbach. They don't play well there. <laughs> um, <laughs> and uh, I, I hoped that Marco Hosa would show out in his hometown, but no, we collapse in the second half. And uh, Leipzig were just better. I mean, period. It wasn't, uh, I, I don't know, it was just, it, they just were so intense. The press was so intense in the second half that there was yeah. really nothing Gladbach could do about it. And uh, I mean, he's, he, I feel that the team has checked out on him. I, I mean, because the the results that we're getting lately do not reflect the quality of some of the players in this squad. It's just ridiculous. Um, I mean, I don't hold City against them too much, although I do think we could have scored a couple goals against City. To be fair, but yeah, uh, in the league, it's been absolutely shocking. And then we come up against uh, Borussia Dortmund in the Pokal <laughs> tomorrow. So, and he's already uh, Marcos is already talking about his uh rotation uh for the for the lead, uh, for the cup which has a lot of people pretty upset thinking he's trying to throw the game Jeez. <laughs> so it's just not good times in Mönchengladbach right now i i know that this isn't a great example but i just i just think back to when nico kovats uh beat bayern in the pokal final right before he joined <laughs> and right. uh i wonder if marco rosa's like thinking I can't get off to that sort of start with Dortmund fans because <laughs> Kovac started already in the red when uh when he showed up at Bayern and we know how that that tenure it went ended. so actually I I do hope that's exactly what happened <laughs> yeah <laughs> um yeah it was a it was a tough game and and Leipzig did look inevitable uh after after halftime um it seemed like it seemed like maybe Gladbach would get out of there with the draw um, as it got deeper into stoppage time, but Sorlot, um able to to guide the header pass. I do think there was a push off, um, and uh, on a different day, maybe it's chalked off for for a foul. But um, in the end, uh, Leipzig to get the three two win and a big one, um, given that they're trying to keep pace with the with this Bayern team and. Um, at the top of the table, Union uh, and Hoffenheim played to a one-one draw. Um, Hoffenheim slowly n- not being total like a total meme, um, and getting <laughs> getting a decent point uh, in in Berlin. Uh, Augsburg getting the win over Mainz one nil, and then speaking of memes, Leverkusen just. Uh, I don't even know what they're up to these days, but Peter Bosch's side lose two one to to Freiburg and continue just a horrendous run of form, um, having just exited exited the Europa League uh, against Swiss side Young Boys. Yeah, and they dominated Freiburg. I mean, just a peek at the stats will tell you everything. I mean, twenty two shots, eighteen chances created. Yeah. I think it is funny though that they had sixty six point six percent of the ball. <laughs> That's kind of weird. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, this is one that they should be winning. I, I'm really. I mean, if anyone might lose their job next, it might be Bosch. Uh, 
because this this run has been pretty shocking. The Bundesliga um, is set now in uh, we do have I mean, we have a bit of a title race uh, on our hands. Just two points separate Bayern Munich at the top from uh, Chasers RB Leipzig uh, and then uh, Wolfsburg actually follow behind um, continuing their good run of form Uh, Frankfurt behind them by three points Dortmund uh, in fifth as it stands Leverkusen sixth Union Berlin in seventh uh, Freiburg eighth Mönchengladbach ninth and Stuttgart in 10th following their big win. The uh, relegation chase is uh, not that interesting at the very bottom, as we've talked about, but FC Köln in 14th, three points clear of Hertha who are level on points with Armenia. Um, So it is, it is as tight as it gets there at the bottom and Armenia's decision to, to sack Uvi Neuhaus will, We'll see how well that pans out. And then mine's just a single point behind Armenia as well. So then, you know, Schalke at the bottom. But uh, gosh, that, that relegation chase has gotten mighty interesting now that Armenia has made that decision. It is. And, and oof, maybe it gives Hertha the boost they need, but good Lord. <laughs> Hertha, yeah, Hertha are looking rough uh at the moment and uh gosh i don't know um for any of these teams towards the bottom now i'm not sure what the what the panacea is uh for their woes but shalka you know going the route of just scorch it and and start over and maybe a phoenix will rise from the ashes (laughs) time will tell um well, we've got more drama, if you can believe it, to talk about. Um, but I think we'll take a quick break and then come back with La Liga. Sounds good. Welcome back, everyone. Mika, we not only awoke to the Schalke news of a clear out at the club of all of their sporting staff. We also awoke to a clear out in handcuffs of some of Barcelona's (laughs) backroom staff, including (laughs) Joseph Bartomeu, um, the the Catalan Police uh, Economic Crimes Division. Mm raided FC Barcelona headquarters this morning. Um, I mean, it is a Catalonian institution, FC Barcelona, and things have just gone completely sideways now for this club. Indeed. Um, I mean, as you said, ex-Barca president, Josep Bartomeu, arrested. 
Um, also arrested, though, were the CEO, Oscar Grau, the ex-director of legal services, Gomez Ponti, and uh, I think Bartomeu's former chief of staff, uh, Jaume Masferrer. So, uh, yeah, it's um, the search that was done by the Catalan police was related to what many are calling and have called Barsagate. Which a lot of people already know was when uh, the the club was accused of hiring a a social media firm, a social media management firm, PR firm to to launch kind of like a smear campaign against uh, current and former players. So current ones being Messi and, and PK and former players like Xavi and Puyol and basically anybody who was critical of uh, Bartomeu's you know presidency over FC Barcelona. Um, I think it is important, obviously. One, to, to say, you know, innocent until proven guilty. We'll see what comes of the the uh, investigation. But two, um, while the trolling and, and, and all that that he allegedly paid for was has been kind of the focus among fans, I think it's important also to to clarify that the, the investigation is really more about the fact that Bartomeu is accused of hiding the contracts that he... Mm-hmm that he had with, uh, or that FC Barcelona had with this firm. Um, and he also is alleged to have issued multiple contracts of less than 200,000 euros, which anything under that threshold, and they don't have to present it to a wider committee at Barcelona. So it's kind of like, you know, the suggestion is that he was trying to, to hide this from people at the club. Um, so, you know, that could be considered false accounting, um, or mismanagement, misuse of club funds under Spanish law. So, Again, all allegations. Um, we don't know exactly until until more investigation is done, but that is kind of the the, the crux of it legally. Um, it's not really about the trolling itself, even though that is pretty uh, embarrassing for for FC Barcelona that they are were literally paying people to go after club icons. Um, so yeah. it's just it's insane that Bartomeu is arrested and the president before him, Sandro Rosé. <laughs> went to prison so (laughs) this is not a good uh record that barcelona are starting to to put together here barcelona starting to look like the state of illinois uh (laughs) (laughs) governors going to jail um yeah this is this is really crazy to me because um yeah i i was lucky enough to to visit barcelona not not even for a match but like visited Barcelona uh, the summer after they won the Champions League in 2011, like that famous nine trophy season uh, under Pep Guardiola, one of the greatest teams, you know, ever assembled. Um, And the feeling that I got like in the museum and just like seeing, seeing those trophies, seeing all of the history, obviously what this club led Catalonia through, you know, during the Franco years and like just, the level of, you know, when they said, when they say Mace K club and, and all of these kind these, these vibes of like, Hey, we, we are more than a sporting institution. Like we're a Catalonian institution. We are, um, you know, we're a cultural institution, like to our, you know, in and of ourselves that has evaporated. Like that feeling around this club is gone. And I don't know exactly what it will take to regain that. Um, but the fact that in in that short of a span uh, from the time of 
you know, when you had the likes of, of it was, you know, Messi, Pedro, Xavi, Iniesta, Busquets, uh, you know, PK, Puyol, like it was a team of La Masia graduates. It was a team of, um, of Cat- Catalonians, like in, in large parts, um, it had that feeling of, of Mace K and club and it's, they've started to try to get some youngsters through, but it's starting to feel almost more desperate than, than actually kind of, you know, assembling one of the world's greatest teams, like simply from Academy graduates. Um, and so it's just honestly, like I'm not a Barcelona supporter. I'm not a, a sympathizer even, especially in a case like this where it's such a shambles, but I think, I think for any football fan, aside from, you know, if you're a Real Madrid supporter, I I think it's sad, honestly. Like, I think it's genuinely sad to see this happen because there's there's just something about, there's something that used to exist about this club that was different, and it's just, it just doesn't exist anymore. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. It was easy to sympathize with Barcelona because of all that history and and the you know the notion that they are masculine club they're fully integrated into the region and into their unique culture and you know being they're Catalan first before they're Spanish and all that kind of thing but yeah yeah you know for years now it's just been controversy and scandal after scandal and uh, you know when you have the best player in the world you think you'd try to hold it together behind the you know, you know, behind closed doors and off the pitch and it Bartomeu's presidency has been just shocking. Really, it's funny you can trace all of this really back to his signing of Neymar and <laughs> just everything that happened after that is just uh, you know, the the decline of Barcelona and and the pin, you know, the the peak of that was Messi saying I want to leave. Yeah. Um so I mean, if he did indeed, you know, commit crimes we'll we'll see and can you imagine though like being the three uh presidential candidates that's coming out about a week before <laughs> your election <laughs> like oh my goodness the campaign fodder yeah. i can't even like imagine um, and the, the finances as well uh right. of the club being yeah a shambles it mm-hmm. <laughs> also so yeah it's crazy um so to to uh, I guess our earlier point, Pat Ariola asked as well: Will all the chaos at Barca irreparably crush their ca- carefully crafted image of we're not like the other clubs? And does that mean Barca will be relegated for this as punishment? Yeah, I mean, I think we answered kind of that first one in that. Yeah, it will. Maybe not irreparably, but certainly for for this generation, perhaps, and seeing Messi leave in the summer that image is is gone and will take some time to to repair um will they be relegated like i said on the last episode i would be absolutely shocked if anything administratively ever happened to barcelona like that i mean to be relegated on sporting merit is one thing i don't think that would ever happen either but yeah in terms of any like administrative punishment i just can't see it because barcelona is so important to the spanish economy uh and that's just a fact um yeah so couldn't see that happening personally. Jake Konecki also asks, uh, was Messi the one who called the cops? 
Oh man. Uh someone like I was telling Phil in our breaks, someone sent us a picture of Messi signing Nogger police officer. <laughs> like <laughs> some of y'all are hella out of pocket with these. <laughs> um, yeah. Who knows? Who knows? Well, well, I I think we can't act too too above above it all, um, given how out of pocket we were on uh, on our social today with uh, with you tweeting, "Does three arrests count as a treble?" Uh, <laughs> I think I tweeted that before my morning coffee. Forgive me. <laughs> and then uh, yeah, I followed with the with a meme of Elena Tyrell from. Uh, game of thrones saying tell bartimeu i want i want him to know it was me like (laughs) (laughs) of messy yeah um i i don't know if it was actually him i think i think they've had more than enough you know like public evidence of of sort of mismanagement around the club that they could totally have um you know uh, any sort of you know I don't think they would need to come up with anything creative to get some sort of search warrant, um, given the the misgivings around the club. I think the motivation of Catalonians as well to make sure that Barca is well uh, governed. <laughs> um, I'm sure I'm sure it didn't take much convincing, um, given what a powerhouse of an institution it is. Um, but. Yeah, it's uh sad days uh in Barcelona and and um for for a massive club obviously. Um we'll see we'll see what comes of it all. Uh the news was not all ugly though out of Spain this weekend and in fact uh Mauro Arambari scored <laughs> one of the most ridiculous goals for Hetafe against Valencia. Um, I, I said it in the tweet, but this, this strike was just absolutely ignorant. <laughs> I love that. Cause yeah, I mean, that's exactly what it is. It's like, you don't like, how dare you? Yeah. Try that kind of thing? Like that's kind of how I, I felt when I watched it. Um, it's a beautiful strike. Um, and Hetafe ended up, demolishing Valencia 3-0 which that is a shocking result for Valencia I'm sorry I mean yeah. Valencia are well in that relegation fight because it's so tight in the bottom half of La Liga and uh, I'm sorry Los Che fans who are listening but that's Hetafe really like that's that's bad they had been Hatafe had been really shockingly poor and we had talked it mm-hmm. we had talked the last couple of episodes about the fact that they had in their four straight losses not had a shot on target literally yeah no shots yeah zero shots on target um in this game they score three from four um and Arambari, i mean <laughs> like we said no business scoring from where he did it's an unbelievable strike um but the other two goals were well, the one is is a gift. Um, Mata's Mata's second, and then Carlos Alenia is a little bit lucky in in the way. It's actually a fairly good strike from Alenia, um, but the uh, the real talking point for Valencia is that Diacabi sent off, um, and yeah, just a real big missed opportunity for Valencia, and they were so bad. Yeah, yeah. I mean, 
Valencia are prone to this, though, where they will just be horrific, like they were against Real Madrid two match days ago, I think it was, where they were just like traffic cones, like they just weren't <laughs> even there. Um, and uh, this one, yeah, having Ducabe sent off is never good. And Gabriel Paulista was literally in tears after the match, speaking to the press about how Valencia are, you know, perhaps in a relegation dogfight. Um, and, you know, I've, we've spoke about it before. The players, the players that started this game and the players that, you know, are throughout the squad are much better than this. And so it's yeah. just, it's just not going right right now for, for Javi Gracia's men. So it, it is a shame given the, given the players they do have um, a, well, Valencia's neighbors via Real took on, took on Atleti uh, and via Real, probably the better team, mm. but Simeone side uh, playing Simeone ball and, and yeah. a, maybe a little more, maybe a return to his roots for Simeone in Atleti's time of need and uh, they get a two nil win and a vital one in the title race. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I thought they had, had dropped quite a bit of points in the recent, uh, recent past in La Liga. And I even have in my notes, Atleti's famous low block. Yeah. <laughs> Cause that's, that's what got them through this one. I mean, Villarreal had a lot of the ball, but they were restricted really to just shots outside the area. Um, they did create 16 chances to Atleti's four. Uh, and actually, XG had Villarreal at 1.94 versus 0.84 for Atleti. Um, so, Villarreal, they missed, I mean, I guess XG would call them two sitters. One from Baca at close range. Uh, and Gerard Moreno also had a chance in the 36th minute that's miraculously palmed by Oblak and then cleared yeah. off the line. So, kind of, you know, well, not kind of, really unlucky for Villarreal in a, a lot of these chances. Um but yeah, I mean, Atletico end up end up uh, winning first with the Pedraza goal, and then the Joao Felix goal, where he he just latches onto a really poor clearance by Pau Torres, who is, you know, that that jewel uh, in the Spanish mm-hmm. setup as far as the successor to like Ramos and Pique and someone linked with a lot of the big clubs. But just a really bad headed clearance, basically right into Joao Felix's <laughs> feet yeah. in the box, and he. Uh, he finishes it and then celebrates like angrily, <laughs> yeah, gesturing towards the bench, which I thought was interesting. Man's went a little crazy. Yeah, he was super mad. I don't know exactly <laughs> what about, but in the uh, post match interview, Simeone said basically, "I love that. You know, any players that are like that, give them to me. Uh, yeah. <laughs> no doubt. Like I love players like that." <laughs> so I think I think anybody who assumed that Simeone would have been mad about that can we not just throw our minds back but a couple of years where Simeone was literally grabbing his nuts at (laughs) (laughs) yeah like was that Juve where in the Champions League yeah Yeah. Mm -hmm. so yeah I mean the man himself loves an angry celebration let alone you know I, I think his players just take after that for sure um but yeah, like you said, massive win uh, for for uh, Atleti in the uh, in the title race. Um, the other fixtures around around Spain, Levante and uh, Athletic Bilbao played to a one one draw. Abar and Huesca as well, one one. 
Barca got a 2-0 win over Sevilla and uh, not the most like classic Barca performance by any stretch of the imagination, but given the turmoil, this is a decent result for them. Yeah, I mean, they were pretty good. Sevilla were pretty poor, to be fair, at, at the Ramon Sanchez Pizza one. So um, Barca, Barca were, were just professional, really, on the road. Yeah. Um, and I, I think I Liga. I think they are definitely putting the pressure on Atleti. Um, but there's still a, a little bit of a gap, so. Yeah. Uh, Osasuna got a 1-0 win at Alaves. Um, Celta Vigo and Valladolid, a 1-1 draw disappointing result i think for celta um against against a, a struggling Valladolid. um real betis one nil win over Cardiff, and it was yes. hard going but they they found a way which has not necessarily been the story for betis this season well betis have been excellent in 2021 i think they've gotten 20 points out of 27 or something like that i mean it's just been a really good year yeah. Um, for them, uh, calendar year, obviously, but yeah, one me gets the the header finally, and what was looking like it might turn out to just be a stalemate. Um, and on Andalusia Day, so <laughs> amazing. How fitting! Against another fitting. Andalusian side, so it's perfect. <laughs> <laughs> That's what you love to see. Um, Granada uh, carrying on from their their European success uh, with a two one win over Elche. Um, and then big result today, uh, in the title race as well. Real Madrid held at home by La Real, Real mm. Sociedad. Yeah, I didn't get to see this one, but I took a look at some of the highlights and the stats. And I mean, it took Madrid until the 89th minute to equalize. So, yeah. uh, I think Madrid, again, I think Madrid's relatively poor campaign is being overshadowed by the shambles at Barca and, and the fact that I'd let doing so well, but is coming up this week and, and we know they have kind of a mental block about this fixture and real can really, you know, put it on them. So it'll be fascinating. Yeah. Yeah. The, it'll, and it'll have massive implications for sure with Madrid still having that game in hand or Atleti having that game in hand over Real Madrid um and uh yeah the gap that could be created from from a win from atletico could be could be too big to overcome um and the la liga table atletico uh on on top still five points clear barca and real madrid level on points in second and third respectively although barca's goal difference vastly superior actually 10 goals better than uh real uh, Sevilla in fourth, Real Sociedad in fifth, Betis sixth, uh, Villarreal seventh, Granada eighth, Levante ninth, and Athletic Bilbao tenth. Um, down near the bottom, as we said, this is one of the more fascinating uh, relegation races in Europe because the bottom team, Huesca, have 20 points. Um 11 more than, than struggle strugglers Schalke uh, <laughs> at the same stages. Yeah. So um, yeah, at a bar in 16th via lead uh, level on points as are Elevis um, all on 22 and then Elche and Huesca just uh, yeah, a single point from safety. So um, 
anything can happen at the bottom. And, and as you said, Valencia, who are as high as 14th level with Hitafe on 27 points, they're only five points or they're only five points out of the relegation zone. So, um, yeah, lots, uh, lots still to play for. Indeed. The, um, the title remains Atletico's to lose though. Yeah, this, oh man, this Madrid Derby, I'm so looking forward to it. Should be a good one. <laughs> um, over to the Premier League, which decided to like chill out a little bit um, mm. after kind of a crazy few weeks. Uh, well, at least for me, I think. <laughs> decided <laughs> yes. to like l- take its foot off my neck um, and, uh, <laughs> and let me breathe a little bit. But um, so West Brom... Brighton was the flashpoint at the beginning of the weekend. And it all revolved around the fact that number one, Brighton vastly the better side, like definitely deserved the win, but Brighton as has been a little bit of a theme this season, Mm -hmm. just unable to put away the chances that they did have, including two penalties, um, both of which struck the post and a host of other chances uh, within the game itself that they just couldn't convert. Yeah, again, Brighton lose after dominating, really, in the attacking sense. Um, Kyle, Kyle Bartley scores West Brom's lone goal. It's a header from a corner, simple enough. But, you know, XG placed Brighton at 3.12 to West Brom's 0.69. Uh Yeah. I don't, (laughs) so, I mean, it's, you know, it's funny to say that West Brom Brighton is the, the, the one we lead off with, but it's sparked a lot of interesting discussion about, you know, advanced metrics and, you know, does high XG, I mean, there's no high XG trophy, you know, at the end of the day, it might actually mean that your finishing is just terrible. Um, But, you know, there's this other narrative too, kind of, or debate rather about, you know, is it the personnel are Brighton just not good enough or is, Graham Potter being stubborn with his tactics. Um, and so I, I don't know exactly kind of where I stand on that. I think, I mean, I think certainly they should buy a striker uh, in the summer, if, if at all possible, someone who's just clinical yeah. um, and who can finish, who can finish chances that are on a plate. Because I think that a lot of Brighton's goals actually come from like chaos in the box, which is not Graham Potter's football necessarily. Yeah. Um, but when these strikers are given time to think about it, they just can't seem to do it. And I think that's just a quality thing. I think they just need a better player. On the other hand, you know, we, everyone knows Graham Potter plays nice football, but is he being, you know, unrealistic in, in what he's expecting and continuing to play this way? Because, I mean, you know, for example, with Arsenal, like if when we were spamming crosses to Aubameyang, everyone <laughs> realized, you know, yeah, you may be creating chances, but those are not the type of chances that a player like him should be trying to take. So is there something like similar here? I mean, what do you kind of think on that? I'm I'm like growing more and more uh, convinced that I don't know. I don't know what the reasoning behind this is, but every single game that passes that has a team with, you know, far the more possession, far the more opportunities, like 
they're the vastly superior side in almost every metric, every footballing sense, you know, that you might, that you might imagine lose in this season. I think, I, I think a vast majority of games are being won by, by the team with the less of the ball less. Uh, and I don't, I can't even put my finger on exactly why that is. Um, I can't tell if it's like, you know, a changing of the tactics and like, we're, we're now moving away from this kind of, uh, you know, dominant and, and pressing style of that we've seen for the past few years where it's high intensity, high pressure. Um, but you know, having lots of the ball, um, I don't know if we're just seeing the death of that and, and it's being, you know, it's been figured out, uh, by, by many of these like sort of quote unquote lesser teams who are defending deep and encountering, or if it's simply like a function of the fact that every single player is like, ex- is just like extremely exhausted and just like not as sharp as they would be. So the attacking team is getting caught in transition and like, mm-hmm maybe it's easier to sit deep in Corona ball because you're like, (laughs) you just have to do the job in front of you and you're not really exerting yourself as much. And you're like mentally, you're just kind of in this mindset of like, keep it in front of me and I don't really need to, I don't really need to worry about it. Cause there's, there's just been so many teams caught by these like sucker punches that I, I just can't help but feel like it's not, it just can't be, you know, coincidence or like one-offs anymore because it's happening with such frequency that the dominant team is losing that I think there's either a tactical shift shift happening or there's some sort of aspect of the football that's being played now that makes it extremely hard to be that sharp attacking side. Yeah, that's that's a really good good way of thinking about it. Um but do I mean do we think though that that in Brighton's case, Graham Potter has a responsibility to adjust his tactics because they are, you know, in that relegation question, or, you know, because I feel like sometimes we, we allow the big teams and the big managers to be wedded to their philosophies, where as we expect, the quote lesser sides to adjust. Is that fair? Sure. Or what do you kind of think about that? No, that's a, that's actually a really good point because I think. I think he does, I, you know, without copping out, um, <laughs> I think he has, he does have the, you know, he has the prerogative, it, you know, it's really up to him if he wants to stay wedded to his philosophy and stick with it. Um, I think as games go on and they don't get results, you know, the pragmatism at some point kind of has to like creep in. Um, because they need to stay up. Like, I think, I think for the, the way that they've approached this project and the way that they've gone about things has been really good, but I think they'll reset a lot of their progress if they end up back in the championship. Um, so yeah, I, I think it'll be, you know, I think it'll ultimately, ultimately be up to him. And unfortunately for, for Graham Potter, I think it'll determine his future with Brighton. Um, because if, if they do end up going down, 
it, it's an outside chance, but the way Fulham have been picking up points, I think they need to start to be concerned a little bit. Um, yeah. And despite the fact that Burnley got pumped for four goals this weekend, they somehow always find a way to stay up um, despite just being absolute, absolutely tragic. Um, and so, <laughs> yeah, I think, I think Brighton, maybe he just needs to worry a bit and, and I don't know, like maybe, maybe take a page out of, out of Pep's book and just put a, put a midfielder in that number nine spot and hope that he turns into Ilkay Gundogan. Interesting. Alzate tried to put Adam Lalana, <laughs> Adam Lalana, false nine, Adam Lalana, false nine. You heard it here first. No, I'm just... I mean, mm, Lalana can shoot. <laughs> it's true That's funny yeah what'd you make of lee mason and his <sighs> his performance in this game suffice it to say that lee mason had to pull out of the the liverpool sheffield united game with an injury to be the fourth official <laughs> he was going to be the fourth official and he pulled out with a muscle injury that's how good of a referee he was in in this one no i think it, it was it was it was shambolic it was absolutely ridiculous um but so you think that lewis dunk's goal should have stood but well so i think again i i'm gonna ride the fence a little bit on this but <laughs> There was a goal last season. Lewis Dunk scored from a quick free kick against Liverpool where Allison had been sent off for a handball outside of the box. Adrian had just been subbed on. He was standing at his like left hand, his left hand post mm -hmm. adjusting the wall and the referee allowed the free kick. It was Martin Atkinson who allowed it, allowed the free kick to be taken and just let it stand after, after like no one was ready. He had just been subbed on. Um, and he was clearly not in any sort of position. Um, and he let him take it and it counted. And it was like, wow, quick thinking, like great job. Like on behalf of Lewis dunk. Um, mm. I think once the referee blows his whistle and allows it to like says, yeah, you can take it. The idea that halfway through the the kick, you're now blowing the play dead because you like screwed up. Um, it just obviously sets yourself up for all of these sorts of things rather than just, you know, taking a beat to make sure before you're, you know, starting play. I don't know. It yeah. just it just it's a, a another in the long list of, of English refereeing, like just horror shows from this season. <laughs> Lewis Dunk did come out and say he had asked him, "Can I take it?" And he said yes. So, yeah, it just, yeah, it doesn't look good. Um, poor Brighton. I don't know what else to say. <laughs> that hasn't been said, but yeah, they draw points in this one. Yeah, one nil uh, to West Brom, and I always hate to see uh, you know Big Sam pick up any any sort of joy, despite the fact that West Brom are still. <laughs> Still probably doomed, um, but yeah, Brighton now level with Newcastle on 26 points and only three points from uh, from uh, re the relegation zone, uh, Fulham occupying that 18th spot. Um, the big the big marquee match of the weekend uh, was Chelsea-Manchester United, and I mean, 
this was a just a brutal 90 minutes. Yeah, like I said on the Twitter, rest in peace to anyone who actually watched all of that. I refuse. <laughs> I knew I knew it was going to be like this. I was like, no, nah, I'm not watching that. Yeah. <laughs> like, each, uh, you know, quote, marquee matchup this season has felt like just drab. Uh, but yeah, it ends nil-nil. I thought, you know, I did watch a little bit of it afterwards, and I, I think Chelsea had the better chances, to mm-hmm. be fair. Um, De Gea, though, he had a great save on, on Ziyech point blank. Yeah. Um, United, they got better in the second half, I thought, uh, attacking-wise. Mm-hmm. Um, Mendy had to make a really good save on McTominay, and, and yeah. Fred, of all people, almost scored like a top top corner screamer. So it's just one of those days where neither were really like super sharp. Um, yeah. And I think the occasion kind of canceled canceled out, I guess, the, the actual football. <laughs> yeah. I think both these teams were just like sizing each other up, and and neither would uh, neither looked interested in winning it as opposed to not losing. So yeah, no this this match was really weird in that I think Chelsea, as you said, Chelsea were the better team. But all that being said, Manchester United could well have had a penalty for uh, Hudson Adoy handball. Right. What did you make of the of the the Cho handball? I, I thought it was a handball, to be fair. Uh, they kept showing the angle from behind where it seems to come off Greenwood first. But, right. I mean, if you look closely, it's it touches it touches him first. And they're both – they both have their arms in kind of unnatural position. So, uh, I, I, don't, I don't know how VAR doesn't get that. Uh, yeah. But whatever. The, the crazy <laughs> thing is I'm fairly certain they sent the referee to the screen. Yeah. Um, and he yeah. and he didn't change his mind having seen the having seen the footage. Yeah, yeah, and and Cho looked very annoyed by the whole thing. Did you think it was a handball? I like. I can't believe I'm about to argue for Manchester United being awarded another penalty kick because they've gotten <laughs> they've gotten so many like soft decisions, but this to me was nailed on. And there have been so many there have been so many handballs that have been given for way less. Sure. Um, hand is out away from the body. They had talked about oh he has a right to jostle with Greenwood, but like he wasn't really jostling Greenwood. His. Mm-hmm. They were they weren't even really kind of like they weren't even touching at that point. It was like it just was kind of his arm was floating out there. It bounces off his hand and takes it away from goal and away from Greenwood, maybe being able to control it. So to yeah. me, it's like, I don't know, nailed on handball. For sure. Okay. I would say it's more of a handball than Wilfred and Didi's, uh penalty, which is which seemed like a total. I mean. Poor decision making on the part of Ndidi, but seem way less, you know, way more like inadvertent than, yeah, than what, uh, than what, uh, Hudson Adoy did. Yeah, that that's fair. I agree with that. But that's what English refereeing has me out here arguing for Manchester United penalties. That's how bad it's gotten. That's like, where we are in life. Like, like what the fuck? <laughs> Why are you doing this to me? Like, don't. <laughs> Oh my god. Um yeah, so nil nil and and uh not not really a whole lot to be said about it. Um couple of couple of nice saves though in there from from the goalkeepers. Yeah. Um and uh 
Big result for the Gooners this weekend, though. 3-1 against Leicester and a Leicester team who had been playing really well, obviously, had just recently beat Liverpool. So, um, mm. But Arsenal uh, went down early. Yuri yeah. Tillman scoring that that goal in the sixth minute, but uh, stormed back and were just kind of consistently the better team throughout. Yeah, I mean, you said it. We gave up a really sloppy first f- first goal to Tielemans, who all of our defenders and our defensive mi- midfielder just back off him and allow him that angle to shoot. So, uh, you know, if there's one complaint I have about this game, is it's that slow starts are kind of a hallmark of this Arteta side, and I don't know why that is, uh, whether it's something he says or, or doesn't say in the dressing room before they go out there. I, I don't know what, what that is, but... To be fair, they responded really well after that. Um, the the header from David Luiz on, on a set piece, a really well-worked set piece. Like, we don't do that typically, so that was nice. Um, then, of course, the, the Lacazette penalty took it really well. Um, and yeah. then, of course, Pepe. I, I, I was glad that he got rewarded. It was a tap-in, but, I mean, he he was a terror for that, that side of, of Leicester's pitch. Yeah. Um, and so I was happy to see him rewarded with, with a goal. Uh, and Arsenal beat a top four side on the road. So it's lit. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I, I tweeted something. I had seen a tweet about the haters will be mad that Pepe like had a good performance. Does, does Nicola Pepe have a lot of haters or is it just like he didn't really like live up to expect initial expectations and now he's kind of growing back in to the side like where what is the opinion of Nicola Pepe mm, that's funny I think you're actually being kind I think f- so far he's a flop yeah uh, for for what we paid for him that doesn't mean he's not a good player let me make sure. that clear I think just for the the outlay you can't ignore it you know right the, the transfer fee is always going to be inextricably linked to the player and his performances he you know I think he can I think he's great for the squad, but we just obviously we overplayed for overpaid for a squad player. Um, but does he have haters? I don't know. I've never really perceived that. The the transfer fee and all that is memed quite a bit, right? Uh, but I, I don't know. That's not. That's weird. <laughs> I haven't seen a lot of people. Yeah, I haven't seen a lot of people be like. Uh. So. <laughs> Just full disclosure, what I saw was a tweet that said the haters are absolutely furious how well Pepe has been doing. And I <laughs> quote tweeted that with a with a screenshot from Instagram of that has been memed of this guy. Like, to be clear, nobody has ever said I couldn't do it. I tend to create haters for myself in my own head to inspire <laughs> me to, to inspire me to hustle harder. Right. <laughs> like, that's yeah. that's what I thought of. That's funny. No, I mean, again, like, I think it's, I mean, if I were a fan of any other club, I would mean the shit out of how much we paid to. It's it's shocking business when you look back at his contributions so far. He is playing well, to be fair, but yeah, yeah that's that's weird. Um, <laughs> but I just, yeah. the victim complex of football fans is so annoying to me anyway. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, yeah. And, uh, I don't, I don't know what the tweet was, but someone was just like, Twitter is just inventing a guy and then getting mad about him. It's <laughs> like Pepe haters. I just like made up Pepe haters and then got mad that they exist. Right. Yeah. 
Um, but no, a good win, a good win for Arsenal and, uh, and over, like I said, a Leicester team that was doing well, but Harvey Barnes injured, um, and the injury list for Leicester now, now growing. Yeah, that's, I think that's why they really couldn't get back into the game. Cause he and, and James Madison, who also got injured last time out are so crucial to the way that they attack. Um, and without them, you just saw that, that lack of zip. I guess, um, and and that's unfortunate. Uh, I would make a joke that this is you know Brendan Rodgers' annual end of season implosion, but I think he's a little unlucky with the the personnel that are missing. Yeah. Um. Liverpool got back to winning ways against lowly hey. Sheffield lowly Sheffield United. I mean, a, a game they're expected to win. Let's be honest, but I think watching this like the amount of chances that Liverpool created was uh gave me a little bit more hope because in some of these games they've looked pretty toothless that was not really the case in this game no not at all and Aaron Ramsdale was completely under siege and keeping yeah. Sheffield United <laughs> in the game uh especially in that first half um yeah. Did it, did it start to feel like, oh, shit, he's going to have a blinder and we're just not getting in? <laughs> it happens. Like, I, I know that this is going to sound biased, um, but this has a way of happening against Liverpool where a keeper who they'll say some stat of he's allowed, you know, 27 goals over his last three games. And then it'll be <laughs> it, the, he will be unstoppable or they'll be like, yeah, the they're you know, they're starting keepers hurt. Um and some some dude who's you know played two senior matches will come in and make 11 saves you know to just to um and just play a blinder ramsdale in this one the stat they said at the beginning of the game was he's yet to keep a clean sheet in the premier league this season and i thought yeah we're, we might be fucked like he's probably going to keep a clean sheet for the first <laughs> time um luckily i you know i will say liverpool did a good job of not allowing that first half to get to them in the sense that they uh they continued to push continued to apply pressure and yeah i mean this one probably should have been a lot worse um in mm. in terms of the margin because um with the exception of that one Ollie McBurney header wide, um, they didn't yeah. really do a whole lot. Right, right. Yeah, I thought, uh, you know, as far as Liverpool is concerned, Trent was, Trent Alexander-Arnold was incredible. I thought he would look, yeah. he, I, I mean, I think he's been getting back to his best over the last couple of matches, even though some, you know, it's been four losses. But in this one, I thought he was man of the match, at least for me. Um, and then, of course, a good goal by the youngster Curtis Jones. He yeah. could have had two. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. He, uh, he was a little unlucky in the way there was a chance that came to him in the first, he tried to, he tried to like bring it under his spell, um, and, uh, couldn't get it out from under his feet, um, uh, before Ramsdale came out to clear it. But, um, but yeah, the strike itself, the, the, I, I was really encouraged by the, the strike because it's instinctive. It's not the, you know, he we we saw him score you know in the FA Cup he scored the worldie against against Everton and um in last year's FA Cup um but the we hadn't necessarily see him pop up like in the box all that often um so the fact that he had that kind of opportunistic streak was nice to see um and then 
I I'm railing against the, the goal decision, um, committee or whoever the, uh, uh, taking the goal away from Bobby Firmino, um, for the deflection. Was it going wide? Probably. Do I care? No, it should have gone to Bobby. <laughs> it was a really good run uh, to set up the goal. A nice, a nice interchange with Mo Salah as well. And, and uh, you know, whatever. Let the kids play, I say. <laughs> yeah, and a clean sheet for, for Adrian, who was starting in place of Allison, having recently lost his father. So rest in yeah. peace to his dad. Very sad. Yeah, yeah. Very sad for, for Allison and... and uh, yeah, Adrian came into the team well. I think, you know, he's he's become kind of a a, a little bit of a meme ever since the Atletico Madrid uh tie in the Champions League, but um but yeah, he uh you know, did his duty and and the two Sheffield United shots on target were kept uh kept out. So, um yeah, a good clean sheet, overall a good performance for Liverpool and kind of, you know, good to see them not uh trip over sort of a, a a uh what should be an easy win and and they they made it so um going over the rest of the fixtures in the premier league um city continuing to to find ways to win and and continuing their good run of form i say good run of form they've won 20 games in a row so um yeah uh, 2-1 oh, over west ham west ham city is like a fucking champions league like <laughs> <laughs> yeah what is the places what is this season um aston villa with a one nil win over Leeds, and uh and yeah Leeds kind of inconsistency continues uh aston villa a fifth minute goal from el ghazi enough to enough to get past them um wolves and newcastle drew one one and uh it's this is kind of like becoming a little bit of a troubling like just i mean we've seen this basically this whole season and and now wolves sitting 12th kind of tells the story the this is just kind of who wolves are right now like they are um just dead center of the table side right now yeah and then honestly if if you're a Wolves fan, you might actually just be okay with that for the time being, because there's just obviously a Raul Jimenez-sized hole in that side. Yeah. Um, William Jose, he's played well. He hasn't scored yet, but I mean, he's given Wolves that like presence as the, as the pivot up there, but he sure. hasn't scored, and that's what they're looking for. And then obviously Fabio Silva, he's just a young kid. <laughs> yeah. Can't really expect too, too much. So yeah, I think Wolves fans might just be a little bit resigned to this. Although it looks like it looks like Raul is training, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. So perhaps, perhaps he could be seen at the end of the season. Maybe some good news in the near future. Um, Fulham and Crystal Palace played to a nil-nil draw, and Fulham will be absolutely furious that they didn't get a win. I didn't get to see anything about this one. Did they dominate? They've been like playing people off the park lately. <laughs> yeah, I mean they. They created, you know, way more chances uh, than Palace. Palace didn't have a shot on target. Um, and, uh, yeah, Fulham had 60% of the ball. Um, but, has to be said, uh, I think I think this kind of sums up Fulham right now. They're unbeaten in their last seven Premier League away games, but they've only won one of those. 
Yeah, I mean, there's definitely some there that should have been wins, but they just can't seem to convert for all of the, I mean, sort of Brighton-esque in that they, they play very well yeah. uh, and don't always get all three points that, that they probably deserve. So, yeah, Fulham, I think, missed opportunity, especially with Brighton losing. That was a massive missed opportunity to right. to climb closer uh, to safety. Um, Spurs uh, taking care of Burnley 4-0 and Gareth Bale deciding, you know, maybe I'll play some football. <laughs> I mean, Jose Mourinho put the team up in a, in a very attacking way. I mean, Kane, Son, Bale, just what, what Spurs fans have been wanting to see. And I think even Jose Mourinho knows that he could let let his hair down a little bit against Burnley. Yeah. Uh, so he kind of just let the attackers run wide and, and <laughs> you know, or no, good result. <laughs> I'm picturing Jose Mourinho with like long hair. <laughs> a ponytail. Yeah. <laughs> like letting his hair down. Him and Gareth Bale both just like shaking their hair yeah, out. Right. Like, yeah. Um, yeah. Bale and uh, yeah. Starting a front four, a legitimate front four of, of Kane, Bale, Lucas Mora, and, and Son is, I mean... That's a problem for anyone. Yeah. Yeah. And with Ndombele and Hoybjerg behind, um, yeah, this was always going to be about that attacking, you know, quartet. And right now, Burnley just... It's it's really crazy. I, I think there's a couple of teams that, <laughs> since beating Liverpool, have just, like completely fallen off so Burnley break the Anfield streak right and Mm -hmm. they have been absolute dog shit ever since Brighton (laughs) Brighton can't find points either ever since they beat Liverpool so I I feel like it's a poison chalice right now like you can take points (laughs) off Liverpool but it's it comes at a cost like like what cost exactly I've won but at what cost (laughs) uh well that um yeah that leaves the Premier League with City City top. Um, no no surprises there. Um United still second, but a full twelve points uh clear of City. So the title race looking more and more over um by yeah. by the week. And and I think, you know, the Premier League uh now basically the last two seasons has been, you know, decided well well before the end. Um but the Champions League chase is fully on and Leicester just a single point behind United West Ham, four points back of Leicester uh, Chelsea, uh, a point off West Ham and then Liverpool and Everton, uh, the Merseyside clubs level on 43 points. Everton have a game in hand as do Tottenham who are four points behind them. So, and Villa's level with Tottenham. So there's all kinds of, yeah. All kinds of possibilities the remainder of the season. Arsenal uh, sitting sitting 10th now, but just two points back of Spurs, which I feel like right now for Arsenal fans, is that kind of your target where you're like, let's just get above Spurs? I think so, <laughs> to be honest. <laughs> yeah. I think we just want to celebrate another St. Totterham's Day. <laughs> we were we were briefly above them until they kicked off, and that didn't ah, last very long. Right. <laughs> Um, and then towards the bottom of the table, Burnley, as we said, with that loss are now, uh, 15th, two points clear of Brighton and Newcastle 16th and 17th, um, who are, as we said, three points clear of Fulham 
in that 18th place and the relegation place. West Brom and Sheffield United um, looking looking done and dusted, but Fulham still with a chance to climb out. Um, and yeah, Newcastle and Brighton will be looking over their shoulder worriedly. Um, Burnley maybe a little less so, but I think Burnley the way they've been playing uh, has been pretty dire. So um, yeah, we'll see if they see if they're able to, uh, to survive. I sure hope not. Honestly, of any of these clubs, I'd love to see Burnley go down the most Um, (laughs) Fulham, Newcastle and Brighton. I would love to keep them all in the premier league. I think even Newcastle for all their woes are at least like entertaining to watch most, most weekends. And a massive club. Yeah. Burnley, on the other hand. Yeah. No. Sean Dyche can, yeah, just please go back to the championship and never return. (laughs) (laughs) Damn. This is such a partisan podcast. I'm not salty at all. (laughs) I'm not salty (laughs) at all. Um, Well, we've got uh, one last uh, league to round up. Serie A. There was one there was there was really one match um that that's the massive marquee matchup. Roma won AC Milan two and Milan bouncing back um from a couple disappointing results in the league um to to grab this win against Roma. But far from a formality, this was a really tight game that was also punctuated by some weird decision-making from one Zlatan Ibrahimovic. Yeah, it was extremely close. Tons of chances traded between uh, both sides at the Olympico, and they were nearly equal on both shots and chances created. Um, but, of course, Kessie puts away the penalty, and then it's a great goal by Ante Rebic to, to seal it for AC Milan who obviously, as we spoke about, needed to respond after a really embarrassing Milan derby and, and some other results that just haven't gone their way as they've let the title, you know, let that first place slip in Serie A. Um, I thought Davide Calabria in particular had a really good game. Um, obviously someone who's who's playing with an eye to, to Euro, the Euros and wanting to represent Italy, so I thought he was really good. Um Roma, on the other hand, they'll be really annoyed with this result because Napoli and Atalanta, their their table rivals, either side of them, both won their matches and, and Lazio dropped points to Bologna. So just a, a opportunity dropped to, to kind of put some separation between those sides and they're still fighting for one of the, you know, a European place as well. So they will not be pleased with themselves with this one. Um, but I mean, AC Milan's win came at a cost Yep. because uh, Ibrahimovic appeared to like strain his groin or his thigh or something mm-hmm. uh, and had to come off. And then uh, Ante Rebic as well also picked up an injury. So yep. um, I don't know what Rebic's uh, status is, but I did see that Ibra won't uh, feature against uh, Manchester United, his former club in, in the Europa League. So wow. yeah, AC Milan won, but at what cost? <laughs> Yeah, it it'll be interesting to see how long Rabich is out as well because he's been he's been really good, uh, obviously for them and important in this one in that he found the winner. Um, Milan still second in Serie A, but uh, they'll they've got some work to do as Inter are currently flying um, at uh, at the top of the table. Um, 
the other the other games around the league, um, Spezia played Parma to a two two draw, um, and uh, yeah, Giassi with a brace uh, for Spezia in that one. Uh, Bologna beat Lazio as you mentioned, um, mm-hmm. so this one definitely a shocker given Lazio's recent form. But uh, but now you know maybe the stutter is turning into more of a actual wobble for Lazio uh, rather <laughs> than uh, just a blip. Well, yeah, they they met Inter and then just fell off. <laughs> they were demoralized, I guess. <laughs> a big result this weekend. I mean, we've talked a lot a lot about Hellas Verona all season mm. and they get a one, one draw against Juve and they were good value for it. Yeah. Yeah. They were good. And I mean, Ronaldo scores a lone goal, but Juventus relying on Ronaldo is not a recipe for success in years to come. So, uh, I'm really interested to see what they do in the off season. And, and if Andrea Pirlo will be the man to lead them forward, because, their 10th Scudetto is looking like it's not going to happen. Uh, as you mentioned, At- Atalanta get a 2-0 win over Sampdoria. Pretty pretty professional from uh, from Gasparini's side. Um, Cagliari get a, a big 2-0 win over Crotone. Um, and, uh, you know, it help help of any sort in their in their fight against against relegation uh, as they pick up some vital points there inter with a three no win over genoa and this was one um you know inter just continuing to look every bit of the of the title contenders that they are yeah i mean i think you and i both have questioned their attitude and whether they're they're quite as clutch as they should be um especially you know how they've let things fall away in the past and kind of how they you know lost the Europa League and looked like they were uh, the Europa League final and looked like they were kind of reeling from that when the season started but they look legit <laughs> they look yeah. really legit and uh it, it'll be nice to see somebody else wearing this Scudetto next season <laughs> Uh, Udinese with a, a one nil win over Fiorentina, uh, Napoli, as you said, two nil winners, um, over Benevento. But, uh, the interesting thing about this is that Kaladu Koulibaly was actually sent off, um, towards the end of this one in the 81st minute and will miss their game against Sassuolo on Wednesday. Ouch. Yeah. Napoli already have quite a few injuries and, and others missing. So that's not good. And then, uh, yeah, so that that leaves Serie A, as we mentioned, Inter Milan top, AC Milan second, four-point gap there. Juve uh, now six points back of AC Milan um, in third, level on points with Atalanta, um, which I think Atalanta's, like, emergence, obviously, as, as being a Champions League side now in Italy and everything, it kind of overshadows the fact that... <laughs> This Atalanta team from Bergamo is like them being fourth in the league is an absolute dream for that fan base. Like this is not normal. No, I mean, they're uh, not a gigantic club, especially not in the the finances. Um, Yeah. But also I think we're as, as neutral starting to get spoiled by this because we're, we expect to see them (laughs) up there. Right. Uh, So yeah, it's interesting. Uh, Roma, 
in fifth, Napoli sixth, uh, Lazio now seventh, Sassuolo eighth, Verona ninth, and Sampdoria rounding out the top 10. Down uh, closer to the bottom, uh, Benevento five points clear of Torino, but Torino are out of the drop zone now on 20 points and two points clear of Cagliari in 18th uh, Parma down in 19th um, and Crotone bottom still, but um, yeah, good to see Torino uh, not (laughs) in the relegation places anymore. Yeah. I mean, I do think that the teams below them are actually worse than them. So we'll see though, if that, that pans out at the end of the season, they take on Lazio tomorrow. um, So uh, maybe a sterner test uh, than Cagliari in their last game, but um, they did, you know, win. They and this is their game in hand um, on those teams around them, so they have a chance to to desist themselves a little bit. Nice. They'll probably draw. Yeah. Probably. If I'm a bet, like if I was one. a betting man, I would put money on a draw because they always draw. <laughs> Uh, well, Mika, um, I think that about brings us to the end, uh, but we've got our sounds of the season playlists, uh, which, which you guys can find on Spotify. We add a couple of songs each week each. Um, so I'm interested, Mika, what are you adding to our playlist this time around? All right. So the first, the first song I've picked is a song called King of Amarillo by Issues purely for the fact that the the first line of the song is Michael Bones screaming wrath of the industry <laughs> Which, <laughs> to me like that just sums up Barca gate it sums up Shaka sacking the whole gang like <laughs> that's the wrath of the industry right there things in football can just go south so quickly and that's um, so good yeah and so that's kind of my uh my pick <laughs> for that, <laughs> that uh, both those situations really the other song i picked is just because it's a good song it's uh the sinner by memphis may fire just wanted to add some more uh i guess metalcore on there or scream or whatever you want to call it so yeah those are my two what do you got phil uh i i went so for my first song i i picked a song by the band currents uh who i think i've already put on here but i don't i don't care um <laughs> they uh, uh a song by by currents um called night terrors and uh the reason that i picked it is because similar to you uh with king of amarillo and wrath of the industry i thought of shalka and uh in this song <laughs> they the basically the the whole theme of the song is that the house that the guy is living in is haunted um in some way and he's having these like night terrors as a result so he says uh basically we're going to burn the fucking house down so that <laughs> <laughs> so yeah i said we'll burn it we'll burn it to the ground we'll fucking burn it down don't leave a trace of evil left in this house and shalka just said yeah bet that's exactly what Shaka <laughs> did. <laughs> um yeah so anyways hopefully their haunting can uh can actually be ended after this 
after this <laughs> burning down of their house. Um, and then the other song that I picked was I went like a little, you know, old school medical metal core, uh, kill switch engage, um, the end of heartache because Great a song. lot of clubs, a lot of clubs going through it at the moment. Hell and yeah. so just, this is my wish to y'all that soon the pain will end. Like, <laughs> Whether it's in relegation or in, you know, safety, it, it the pain will will end. So <laughs> uh the heartache will will end at some point. So that's that's what I've gone with this week. Very good. Uh, yeah, that's I love that kill switch engage song. I haven't heard that song in forever. Yeah, the, that's the what the playlist now is like five hours. It is a monster. Hell yeah. You could drive <laughs> you could drive to like Santa Fe from El Paso uh on that playlist. Still, exactly. Yeah. No, I throw it on it like if I'm in the shower or something, I don't know what I want to listen to, I throw it on or yeah. walking the dog or whatever. It's a, it's very eclectic. <laughs> yes. Yeah. It it will take you for a ride. Absolutely. Indeed. Like you will be going from I mean The same especially, way the football season's gone. <laughs> exactly. Like one game goes smooth. The next is just pure chaos. Like that's right. this that's this this uh this playlist in a nutshell. Um but yeah. Um yeah, you can find it on Spotify. You can find our podcast on Spotify as well. Um and you can find well, I guess you can find us at on Twitter at HXC Football. Um I don't know. Am I am I leaving anything out? I think <laughs> think that's about it well yeah that's it just give us a rating give us a like tweet us share your memes yeah if you want a sticker you know show us that you're subscribed or that you listen to the podcast and we'd be happy to send you one but yeah i think that's it for sure all right well with all that being said until next time guys hope you hope you're enjoying uh, enjoying the football and it's not become too tiresome. Um, and, and we will catch you with more just insane news. I'm sure <laughs> come, come the next episode until then later. Peace.